0: Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hey you guys, welcome back to another episode of Breast Cancer Conversations. I am so looking forward to this episode. It's been in my back pocket for a little bit now. I finally finished all of the editing and here we are. I am just so thrilled to have it go live because it is straight up girl talk. I am joined again with my friend, Jessica Duming, who is not only a breast cancer survivor and thriver and whatever other adjective you want to share and throw in there. She is also the author of the book Warrior, which I will link to below in the show notes. Jessica was diagnosed at the age of 32 with breast cancer. I believe it was stage 2A, and I was diagnosed at the age of 34 with stage 2B. So basically, today's podcast is going to be a conversation of us two women honestly just shooting the shit about what it's like to have breast cancer. Get cozy on your couch, or if you're taking a walk, getting in your steps, or if you're stuck in traffic on your commute, this time is for us ladies. So let's get ready to hang. Welcome to the conversation.
1: My name's Jess Dumig, I am a survivor. I'm three and a half years out now. Um, I do, I live in, in South Florida. I was in Miami when I was diagnosed, but have since moved around a bit. Um, now I'm in Broward County, so uh, loving it there, but was very fortunate to be where I was when I was diagnosed. Um, so I was diagnosed in 2017 with triple negative metaplastic breast cancer. Uh, I was 32, it was stage 2A. Um, super, super crazy because it was absolutely out of the blue for me. Um, no family history, no BRCA genetic mutations, no nothing. And, uh, I was sleeping and I rolled over and I felt a sharp pain, thought it was nothing. Maybe felt something, but thought maybe it was like a pimple or an ingrown hair or something, but nothing serious. Cause your first thought is not, Oh my God, I have cancer. Um, and so I, I let it go. And then about two months later, a similar situation happened, and I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute, this is way bigger." Uh, I would say it grew about three hundred percent in just six weeks, two months, maybe. So it was maybe the size of a pencil eraser, like your pinky, pinky fingernail, and then all of a sudden, the size of like a really good gumball, you know, like the big ones, and uh, not a gumball as it was, uh, as it turned out. But yeah, I was diagnosed uh, on February first, twenty seventeen had surgery. I had a double mastectomy February 22nd, 2017, eight rounds of chemo. And then I had reconstruction in August, 2017. Uh, so quite a whirlwind. I call it seven months diagnosis to done. Um, but yeah, now I've, I've completed all of my check-ins and everything. And now I am three and a half years out was officially cured as of February 28th, 2020.
0: Congratulations. That is like amazing. I love like diagnosis to done. And that's a whirlwind. We talk about how quickly all of this happens. We don't really have a lot of time to process everything. Also, it's just, you know, you get into like fighter mode and you're like, what are the decisions I have to make? Schedule, book everything and move on with life. So that's I I love the the rapid, like how quickly you just say it too. Like we have these dates also in our mind that like right. we have our birthdays. And then now there's like the day of my diagnosis, the day of my last chemo, the oh. day of my surgery. Like, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You know, I um when I was diagnosed, it was, I, I had three weeks essentially to do all the testing, all of the um, pre-op stuff. Uh, and then I was in and out in maybe, actually, I was in I had this weird thing happen. So I knew my surgery was supposed to take like five hours or six hours. And I went in at like 11 o'clock in the morning. And then all of a sudden, it was 11 o'clock at night, the, the next clock I saw coming out. And I thought, you know, I freaked out, I was coming out of anesthesia, I was freaking out on the on the gurney or, or like the hospital bed, I guess, saying to myself, you know, what not to myself to everyone, what happened? did I die on the table? What hell you know because what do you, you don't know right but I knew it was way longer than it was supposed to be uh which was very very off-putting for coming out of major major surgery and luckily they told me there was just some bad planning or whatever and there wasn't a bed ready or whatever it was a room um but ultimately n- no issues with the surgery. um I went straight into fertility preservation actually because I was so young had no kids um, was no, uh, not married. Um, and so I was like, well, I never necessarily wanted kids in the past, but certainly when they take away that safety net of changing your mind, you reconsider. Yeah, so absolutely. yeah, I mean, I got four eggs. They're frozen somewhere in central Florida at this point, but I don't know if I'll use them, but they're there if I decide to. Yeah. So. And so you decided that before you started your chemotherapy? Uh, I decided that before surgery before because surgery. Okay. I went in to make my surgical plan and I was in Miami. So lots of, um, lots of different doctors down there, but the one that was affiliated with Baptist Health where I did all my treatments, I basically had to decide within 30 minutes whether or not I was going to do it because I went in to do my surgical planning meeting and uh, at, at Miami Cancer Institute, they give us nurse navigators and social workers to kind of help us through the nuts and bolts of the process. And when I came out of my meeting with the surgeon, they basically told me, if you want to do this, you have to go right now, like get in the car and go there. They're waiting for you. And that was a 25 minute ride. So I had that long to be like, what, what, <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. And so that was it. I I was on, a, huh, I was on a table in syrup, seeing if it was viable or able to even be done with whatever. And, uh, not what I expected for that day, for sure. It was Mm -hmm. invasive to say the least, but, um, yeah, I decided to do it a lot of most of the cost of it was covered. Um, which is one thing I I don't know that a lot of people know, um, that the fertility drugs normally would cost almost 30 grand, uh, not covered by insurance. Um, however, the, the, there are programs for Cancer patients specifically that are subsidized by Walgreens and Livestrong Foundation.
0: Oh, wonderful. So they
1: actually, yeah, I pay. You have to hit um, some criteria for income. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to, if, if someone has the means, that they're most likely not going to approve it. But luckily, I was under the threshold and was able to get all of the medication, the needles, the syringes, everything for zero, zero dollars. Wow. I did have to pay a little bit for the procedures, but by that point, half of it was covered. Half of it was it, it was it was negligible at that point. The drugs are by far the most important, by the most expensive part of it. So I don't know that a lot of people know that those programs are out there, but I would definitely urge people to check with their their. Um, their cancer centers or wherever they are.
0: Yeah. And we can do some research and link to that too. And like the show notes of the podcast as well. So our listeners can get some more of that information. I wanted to back up to how you started the conversation too. You used the term metaplastic. And that is something that I know when we were emailing back and forth, I was unfamiliar with. So do you have a moment to share with our listeners also what that uh, refers to?
1: Of course. Yeah. So Triple, and I'll, I'll just kind of give you a little bit of the background too. Triple negative, I, I think most people know what that is, but essentially you're negative for estrogen receptor, positive uh, cancer, progesterone, and HER2 protein. So that's the triple negative part. That accounts for maybe 5 to 10% of all breast cancers. Mm-hmm. Metaplastic is the cell structure of that cancer. Okay. So what it is is it's a mix of two completely different types of, of cancer cells all in one. And they, they, they compare it to looking like a holly leaf. So it's got like that weird pointed shape. Its structure is just different. And one of the things about metaplastic is that it can attach anywhere. Mm. So if it gets into your bloodstream via your, um, your blood, basically through the lymph nodes, it can settle anywhere. And it's, it's still considered breast cancer. So at that point you could have breast cancer in your lung. It's not lung cancer. It's breast cancer. Um, you could have it in your big toe if, if, if your cells get there, you know? Um, and so that makes it account, it counts for 1% of all breast cancers, triple negative metaplastic shrinks it down. The implications of that are that one, it's super rare. It's super aggressive because again, it can go anywhere. It feeds off of we don't know what, because it's triple negative, you know, they don't, they don't do research on 1%, you know, so it becomes a very clear and concise diagnosis, at least. So there's a lot of controversy on the diagnosis, because the adjuvant where they do chemo first, chemo is is targeted at receptor positive cancers, right? So it either works against the estrogen it works against the progesterone it it does something with the her2 i don't i don't know what but it is targeted to that when you're triple negative they do it just to kill it cuz it's basically like acid in your veins um but it it doesn't actually do any like it's not going to shrink your tumor necessarily so the there are some people who still do i know in europe a lot they still do a um a chemo first to try to shrink it and take what they can get, I guess, and then do surgery. But, um, here in the States, it, my, my understanding as of three years ago when I had mine was that the standard operating procedure literally is, is mastectomy usually bilateral. Um, although that's different doctors say different things. Um, but, get get the cancer out and then treat like an insurance policy is is the chemo so that's what i did especially at the earlier stages at the later stages i don't really know i didn't research it too much but i found mine at 2a so it's the size of a small like a key lime a small lime um and so they did a double mastectomy then like i said the eight rounds of chemo i did Adriamycin, cytoxin and then taxol oh and i was then, on that one too Oh, nice. yay! Yeah. <laughs> the same, the same set.
0: Yeah, the ACT. And then I was also on um, Herceptin and Projeta as well. So gotcha. you know, similar to what you were saying that, you know, some of the practices in Europe or some of the practices here, the more conversations I have with women, like, I'd like to think that there's a standard of care, but it's also different. Um, you know, and I think when we yeah. th- think about... um when they do your original biopsy and they're looking at the characteristics of those tumor cells to come up with your treatment plan, they're, Mm. it's almost like reading the fine print. If you look at the pathology report, right? Like you could be 5% like ER positive or 95% ER positive, right? But you still have some traces of some hormonal positive trace, like uh, characteristics, or right. it could be completely zero or 100%, et cetera. So I feel like on, on my situation, I was just gray. Like I was starting, like, you know, I wanted some answers and everything was like very ambiguous and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it, the light bulb went off of – actually, I don't know why I say that that. Idiom. Like I say the light bulb went off and someone was like, No, it's the light bulb went on. So I don't know which one it actually is. Okay, um, yeah. But
1: for... never thought about it because I would have said off too. Okay,
0: thank you. So we are yeah. totally on the same wavelength. Um so the light bulb went off and I was like, Wow, so this is why they always say medicine is not a perfect science. And this was right. the first time in my life where unlike going to just regular checkups, or even if you break a bone, like They put on a cast and you're going to be fine. This was something where it was a very much so like trial and error. And I don't want to say like it was like an experiment, but it was like, we'll try this or maybe a higher dose or maybe a lower dose. And there was all this tweaking. And one of the things that I loved about reading the book that you wrote, and I know we're going to dive into that a little bit more uh, throughout the conversation, but what I loved about your book is like, how, how could we control something when everything is out of our control? And right. that was the very first thing I had to learn to, like, go of was, like, I thought I had a plan. I would tell my friends and family what my plan was. I would go back the next week and my plan would oh. change. And then I'd have to go and tell my fam- right. family and friends again, like, okay, like, things are changing again. So it was just – it was hard to, like, let go and just let the process happen. And yeah. one of those things, I think the way you say it, like, you know, you're putting your, your breasts in your surgeon's hands, right? Like, we're saying that <laughs> we are putting, like – trust the process, let the doctors do their thing and we can just cope and manage the best that we can. So I'm right there with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because you know what I found and I talk a lot about this in the book. Um, but for me, I understand that the doctors have to give you every side effect under the moon, right? There's liability, but also they do happen to some people. What I found though, was they gave me everything. told me everything, 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 And my thing was that I was in my head about it, you know, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be so sick!" Like it became a self fulfilling prophecy. So I have my first chemo, and and all of a sudden I'm like, "Oh, I think I'm nauseous." Oh, am I nauseous? Oh, I'm nauseous. You know, I I definitely had some of the side effects. Like there was no doubt my hands were itchy, (laughs) you know, and there is no doubt I had massive, massive hot flashes and all that. Uh, I was in, I went into perimenopause for a year one full year, which was a nightmare. Um, but I, I think people have to really let go of the control part, but also keep control of yourself. Keep control between your ears. Like you were saying, let go of some of the control of the external, but the internal right here, you have to be 100% in control of that. You have to feel it and experience it for yourself. Otherwise, you're, you're done before you even start.
0: Mm, absolutely. I think the mental game is such an important aspect of of anyone's health. Cancer aside, just like your mental attitude can really make or break your day. Like when you wake up in the morning, I've actually started waking up even before like I roll over and like grab my phone and read the news and they get all depressed and everything. But I'm like in bed as I'm like first waking up and I'm like, say three positive things to yourself. Like, yeah. beautiful. I love myself. I'm beautiful. I'm going to make today amazing. Like I deserve this, etc. because your body is right. going through so much change. And, you know, I think we also talk about, you know, loss and surgery and, and, you know, amputation, it's not augmentation, right. And coming to terms yeah. with our new body, our new figure and, you me being on the spectrum, still in forced into medical menopause, like my hormones, like, well, that's a whole other podcast topic right there. Um, <laughs> just, you know, dealing with, like, the extra weight gain, or going through, like, worrying about bone loss, because you're in menopause and osteoporosis. Like, right, I literally wake up in the morning. And I love this conversation, because you're like, say three positive things. Like, it's all about the mindset. I love that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it, it is. You know, and And it's so funny, you fall... It's such a hard society that we live in. You know, I found myself one day fully healed, whatever, getting into the shower or something, caught like a glimpse in the mirror. And I was like, oh, and I start doing like little, like thinking about them through the nips and the tucks. And I'm like, time out. This was not a boob job. This was not something you chose. This is not something where they should have been able to do a beautiful job. They were in there after something yeah you know like if you have to like if you have a a bruise on an apple that you don't want to eat you have to cut around that bruise no matter where it is right unless you want to eat it whatever but um but yeah. you don't get to like choose to slice it perfectly after that like it, it, there is no perfect in 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 our heads you know of course, of course. you can yeah. adjust your way of thinking but i sit there and i'm like you went through too much like leave them alone yeah. like they're fine you know and and it's it's but our heads go right back there we're not good enough this isn't perfect enough this, da, da, da da. like I to be honest I mean I before before I started doing like my, my diagnosis and then looking at tattoos and and people's scars and whatever or whatever on google eventually uh I can't tell you honestly that I saw that many boobs in my life like oh yeah you know I never thought about it. I also didn't see many cancer patients, you know, and, and it's funny what you say, the weight gain, the, the menopause, the bones, everything, you know, most people in this world, the only cancer they know is what they see on TV. Mm -hmm. And if anyone listening to this closes their eyes right now, you can see it pale, frail, doubled over a toilet. eyes sunk back in the back of your head. Teeth kind of look a little funny. You know, mm-hmm. that what they do, they make you look really dry, chapped lips from all the puking. Uh, bald, of course, of always, course. Yep. with not only knows what headpiece on, which I didn't wear one um, mm-hmm. at all, uh, scarf or a wig or anything. And and that's what people think. Right. And that, again, becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I didn't look sick. I, well, OK. Aside from the fact that I was bald and had no hair on my face, eyelashes, eyebrows, I didn't look like that person on TV. Right. You know? And that's, and that's the part where, again, you get back into it. You're like, I gained 40 pounds. Right. So tell me again, how everyone's frail and puking their brains out. All all I could eat because of, I had really bad metal mouth, uh, not metal mouth. I had really bad dry mouth. Okay. And, um, and actually had some teeth problems because of it later um, where I never had uh, oral problems at all, but because of the dry mouth, it screwed up a lot of my 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 teeth and stuff but all I was in the mood to eat was cold and sweet. Mm. Um and before chemo I would drink a lot of soda and that kept my sweet tooth at bay. I learned because after I quit soda it was disgusting. Well during chemo, um I started with a sweet tooth. So all I ate was um frappuccinos from Starbucks (laughs) venti of course and and smoothies. Yes. And if you're not making them yourself, which why would you? Because you're already tired. Just go pick one up, which maybe is a little snooty, but whatever. Um, sure, you deserve it. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's all I was eating though. And anytime I was like, oh, I shouldn't eat this ice cream, but you know what? You're going through cancer. You deserve it. Exactly what you just said. You deserve mm-hmm. it. And before I knew it, 40 pounds. And it's very difficult to lose because the other part too is part of perimenopause. It, it makes it very difficult for you to, for women in general to lose weight in the midsection. Well, that's where I gained all my weight, Me too. my, my, from basically my collarbone to my hips front and back. That's where all my weight gained. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's very difficult. It's, it's very difficult to come to terms with. And then you start thinking, then you go right back to it, right? I have to lose the weight. I have to do this. Da, 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 da. And then you're like, or I'm healthy. Can I just be okay with this? Yeah, absolutely. You know? and you know, and, and it depends on on your whole state of mind and where you're at. Like I said, when I was diagnosed, no kids, no boyfriend, no husband. I was totally single in the workforce, climbing the corporate ladder. I didn't have time for this. right? And I don't have time for anything, let alone this, right? So, but now there's that whole other level of fine, you gained weight, you're not fit like you used to be, but also the scars, also no feeling. You know, so the first time you're intimate or whatever, or even just visually, Mm -hmm. it's like, all right, well, this is different, you know, and, and, oh, do you like, do you like that? And it's like, I don't feel that. (laughs) You know, it's very, it's awkward to talk about, but yeah, it's like, so do I fake it? Do I tell them? Like, how do you even <laughs> yeah, do that? Do and then you're kind of like, all right, are you done? Like, can you get to something? That- <laughs> 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 it's, so, it's so weird. It's such a weird thing to, and again, to talk about. And, and I find people don't talk about it either. So then it's a whole other level of mental health. And it's, there's just so much below the surface of surgery and chemo. It, it's, it's so weird. It's, it's so surreal. I, I even now, I, I, I forget I had it. You know, granted, I'm promoted about all that, but but on an average day, I'm just like going about it, and I'll knock, I'll knock something off a counter or something, or or at a store, and like three things fall on the floor. I'm like, damn, like right, because <laughs> you don't feel it again. You're like, did I do that? Oh man! <laughs> but it's uh, it's and, it's and then it's the whole thing. You're like, oh, <laughs> here we go again. Exactly. So it's. Um, it's Well, I think you hit on so
0: many topics right there, right? Like first, no, 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 (laughs) it's no, it's perfect. I mean, that's how my brain works, too. So it's like, okay, it's cancer after all the traditional when you close your eyes and you think of cancer, you're thinking of chemotherapy, surgery, radiation, right? And then no one actually realizes after you go through all of the active treatment. You know, you're either taking time off from work or someone needs to help pick up the kids, et cetera. You're quote unquote back to normal. But we're still going through all of these other changes that you and I are both a couple years out from our diagnosis. And we're talking about it as if it were yesterday, because these are things that we don't talk about, like sexual health, the mental component, the body changes. Like these are things that are long lasting side effects of our diagnosis. And we're still getting screened. We still have to get you know, checkups. And so there's this longer term piece that I don't think we are prepared for when you get told you have cancer. Like we know it's life changing, but I don't think myself yeah, included, we realized how life changing it was going to be.
1: Yeah, you're you're 100% right. Because I mean, I I have little ailments now that my doctor will look at me and She's like that's totally from your chemo. Like I have mm-hmm. a lot of neuropathy and a numbness in my toes and my fingers. Yes. So like, my these three fingers and the same three toes on both feet go numb uh pins and needly not totally numb but pins and needles and um my from this started actually when i uh when i was on on my back recovering from surgery in the bed um sciatica problems that now mm-hmm. shoot down the side of my leg and and I'm um, you know again it's one of those things where i, I feel like an old lady and yeah. and and my doctor my doctor actually sent to me the oncologist did he's like you you kind of are. You know, in this
0: conversation, you also said it's not something you think about every day also. So, um, you know, I think that's really important because there was this phase of, man, am I ever going to get to a point where not every ache and pain makes me go into this spiral of, oh my gosh, the cancer spread or oh my gosh, it's cancer right. again. Or maybe I develop something else, which I know we all kind of go through those phases of every little thing is like, oh my God, something's wrong. And, um, you know, I remember yeah. even thinking, I was like allergy season and I was like, it can't be allergies. Like everyone was like, just take some Sudafed or some Claritin. And I'm like, is it really just allergies? Because I really feel like my eyes are watering. My nose is running. I'm coughing all the time. It must be in my lungs. Like something is wrong, but it is true. Like we, we think about it, but it no longer becomes the center or the focus. And the first time that we get annoyed about like an email that comes up or, you know, a kid nagging or a best friend, just like pissing us off over something like you're like, wow, I'm back to normal again. Like these are normal agitations yeah. that you're like, yeah, come on, bad email. Like, you know, it's just nice right. to be distracted <laughs> and just know that like,
1: right.
0: you know, it's it's not life or death. And you can kind of laugh at some of the the frustrations that the day to day gives you.
1: At one point, I I was so once you're healed, right, you start getting a little more comfortable, even just because there's also the fear of the unknown. We're not doctors, right? We don't realize that once you're you're sewn back up and you're healed and the stitches come out, you're almost better than you were before, you know? And and I, I had knee surgery way back and, and I tweaked my knee one day and the doctor's like, your knee is fine. Mm-hmm. Like there is that means not going anywhere you know like you would trust me you would know if you had a problem and it's the same <laughs> thing it's the same thing with with your chest because you're like ooh ooh i moved funny like for me i had i have um silicone implants and i feel even now i feel like when i roll over in bed i roll and then they come with me, and it's like you have these foreign bodies in you. But once you get a little more comfortable, I remember one time I was feeling I'm like, okay, let me make sure again, like nothing is back, because they they say you'll know, and I'm like, okay, I want to make sure I know if it is there. So I found something, mm. and I do this because it's, yeah, I'm foreshadowing. Sure. So I go to the doctor or the surgeon. She's checking, and and her uh, her assi- her physician's assistant was in there first. And I'm like, I feel it. I feel it. It's, it's there. And she's like, Oh, Oh, I do this right here. And she's, and I'm like, Yup, that's it. And it was kind of like under and all this. And she goes, okay. And like, kind of like with a, not the end of the world. Sure. Look on her face. And I'm like, well, I didn't like that. Like take me seriously. So she brings the surgeon back in and the surgeon is like feeling the same right here. And I was like, yeah that's it you feel it too okay I'm not crazy <laughs> she goes oh you're not crazy but that's your rib and <gasps> I was like, oh my god yeah of yes. course. yeah so you know good news is my rib is there yes didn't go anywhere bad news is uh I'm not ever 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 gonna be a biologist <laughs> or uh, anything that uses human anatomy I, why would I think that was my rib your ribs are not like there's no end to your
0: end. right of course and we get so like anxious over feeling anything like I'm the same way and yeah. like and sometimes I'm not always in front of a mirror either when I'm doing like exams and so I would <laughs> feel something and then like you know I'll go to the mirror and be like oh nope that's exactly where the scar tissue is like I'm right like pinpoint like blindly exactly where the cuts and scars are and you're like nope that's just the scar tissue again like yeah. every single time I get-
1: I can't tell you how many times I've had to Google my implants because I keep forgetting whether or not they have like a seam mm. in this one spot. Not a seam, but like a, not a port, but kind of where they, I don't know. And every time I feel that I'm like, oh my God, it's back. And then I'm like, wait, go look at the implant again. Oh no, that's exactly where it's supposed to be. Like that's exactly. part of it. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's, and, and at one point my doc, my oncologist was like, let, let me listen to me you need to live your life. This this is not coming back. If it does, trust us you'll know. Mm-hmm. Like and and that's a hard part too because we get in our head. Again, it's all in our heads. Like we we're like, "Oh my god, what if I don't feel it in time?" It, you'll you'll feel. You'll know. Like you're already hypersensitive to it, right? The fact that you're asking the question means you're gonna know. Exactly. But every time, it's he's live your life. When I was at Miami Cancer Institute, they kept asking me um you know, do you want a support group? Do you want a support group? Do you want a support group? I was like, no, no, no. Fine. You know, like if someone asks you if you're hungry often enough, you'd be like, fine, I'll eat, you know, same thing. And so they, they gave me a couple women to talk to. And one of them was a married mom. She was 32. She was three kids in dog, white picket fence, whatever. And I was like, no, like, I'm sure you're very nice, but this, there's nothing we we're not going to relate. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, and then, you know, another one was like a 38, 39 year old single mom of one kid. I'm like, again, this is not like I am going to work every day. Like I am, this is disrupting my corporate life. Like it's very different. I have to tell strangers about my stuff. Everyone knows, like you, we want to talk about like you know, even like feminist, whatever out there, everyone knows my boobs are fake. Like it's, it's weird, you know, and I wear a certain shirt and, and it's very obvious or it's the opposite or it's just so much different. And so finally I was like, you know what, forget it. I don't, I don't want a support group. And so I kind of made my own, um, come from a big family where word travels fast, but it's always not the right word. Um, so I was like, I'm making a Facebook group. You can join if you want. I don't want to put all of my gory details out there because I had no intention of censoring anything or keeping my language in check or not giving the facts. And the facts of this are gross a lot of times or or inappropriate for Facebook, uh, depending who's in your friends list. And so I made this group and that support group started and people were like, hey, I know someone, this group is great. Can you let them in? I was like, yeah, sure. If that's going to help them, whatever. I don't care enough enough love to go around and so then people were like well this is really helping me and it grew and it grew and uh someone said oh you should write a book and I was like yeah okay whatever I'm gonna write a book okay I had I had my head in the game it was a different perspective on everything it was it wasn't until after I was officially cured so everything was behind me I wasn't constantly in my head about because like I think deep down I was like okay I can write all this and then what if it comes back you know, then it's all for, for nothing or I have to pivot and I don't want to write that. I don't even know that I want to fight with, with this again. You know, like, you know, and, and, um, but then once I like said, you know what? Okay. I'm cured. My life is on track, blah, 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 blah. I sat down and I wrote it. And, and at that point it flowed. I was just page, page, And I was like, holy crap. Okay. Maybe this was the right thing. And then, um, yeah, that, that was it. It, it I, just, I just wanted my experience to help me. And what I realized about halfway through when I really started to, it was starting to crank, I was like, this is what I needed three and a half years ago. You know, because if someone would have taken that book and said, Jess, here, it takes away the fear of the unknown. And I'm not saying it's the best book out there, but I looked when I was designing the... I had the cover designed. I looked at what else was out there because I was like, all right, well, I don't want to be like weird. I have to make sure I don't copy anybody. And they were all like pastels, little pink and green, any other book on the market. Um, really frilly bras all like illustrated and they were cute. And I was like, there is nothing cute. There is nothing sexy. There is not a frilly bra in the world that will fit you after this. Like there's nothing cute and fluffy about breast cancer. And the, the the book itself is, oh, it's in your face. Black with this bright pink starburst on it. Um, I don't know if I sent you the image, but I I, I did. Um, it, it is called Warrior. It's, it's Warrior with a subtitle, Challenge Accepted. And it is just in your face because it's exactly what's going to happen to your brain when you're diagnosed. It's like an explosion of pink. You know, it is battle. If you go into this thinking like you're defeated before you are, you're, 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 you you're will be, you know, and, and what this book does, I wrote, two, I split it into two pieces, two parts. One is the very physical. Here's what to expect um, for you and for your supporters, because you're going to need help and all that. And it talks you through like, I, I find, and even as I go into um, some of the support groups online, the Facebook groups people just don't know what to expect. Um, and you you never really understand it until you go through it. But I feel like my, I feel like Warrior kind of talks you through it. And it's not going to tell you exactly how you're going to feel, but it's going to prepare you for what you're going to experience. And then you can feel it differently. Right.
0: And I feel I, when I was reading through it and I'm, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm about halfway through. And what I, I was laughing. I thought your book was Like, I know it's not a comedy, but, you know, I'm kind of laughing because it's relatable, right? Like, there's a lot of cancer books out there and there's a lot of great advice. I think it can be very healing for the author to write. And even what we do at survivingbreastcancer.org, we have a whole section on survivor stories. And a lot of those stories come years after the diagnosis. Because I think when you're diagnosed with it, you don't even know how to put a to journal about it how to write about it how to come to your own thoughts so you right. know a lot of women i think come to us afterwards saying wow we really went through something right. and now we have a story to tell so i think that's amazing yeah. one of the pieces that i love in your book that made me chuckle was just your ability to say like all right like we just had this the double mastectomy and like we're home we got the drains like and how do you get into the bed Right, like, do you like flop yeah. onto it? Is it more of a roll technique? Are you and when, right. one thing that I love too that I'll share with our listeners? I didn't realize no matter how or whatever great shape you're in and how strong your core is, when they after surgery, those core muscles, oh my god, trying to lie yep. down, trying to get up, it was like a, it was a, I don't even have the de- the adjective to describe how, like waking up to have to go to the bathroom to roll myself off of the bed, and move. <laughs> was like muscles I have never used before and (laughs) did not realize how much of your chest you use in every single day. I every day. I burst into tears because the suction of the refrigerator was so tight that I could not open the refrigerator. And I was like, I am so friggin' hungry right now. And like I'm proud of me for having an appetite and I can't get to the food. Like I just couldn't pull it. (laughs) cheese oh my god it was just but like small little things like that where you're like oh my god you used your upper extremities so much that now I'm just like part of my morning affirmation thank you body for letting me like raise my hands above my head and like reach for the coffee cup on the top shelf like can you imagine like no coffee you can't reach the top shelf can't get the cream in the milk like it was a disaster
1: (laughs) yeah and I I, I tried to write it as actually I, I I like to keep humor in it because I I feel like if we don't laugh, we'll cry. Yes. You know, and some of it's just so ridiculous that you're just like the drains. I got to tell you, um, I, I think the drains are the worst part of cancer. And I know that that sounds so trivial in the grand scheme, but honestly that freaking drain, I had my, I had three drains in each side after my mastectomy for, uh, four weeks. I had three of them for four and then two of them in each side for another two. And I was just like, you gotta be kidding me with this. Like they're in your way for everything. If you do one wrong thing, they feel like they're ripping out of you. And then what's the funny part. And this is why I think it's funny. is like, You think this little thing is just like, like in there just like a little bit. And then you see them pull it out and the thing's this long. That wasn't going anywhere. Oh (laughs) yeah, right, exactly. And it's such a, a, like a vomit inducing feeling when you pull on it a little, even when you're like, you know, when you have to squeeze them, I must've done it a few times and I was like, Oh, like, but it's, it's so trivial. But then you're like, this is the worst. That was the worst part for me. It sounds so yeah. stupid, but oh, I no, remember, Forget. Chemo.
0: I think I locked myself in the bathroom. Right. Everyone was offering to help me like with the drains and to drain mm-hmm. them and to measure them. And I'm like, first, I didn't trust anyone because I was scared they were going to pull it out. They were going to tug too hard. Something was going to be wrong and cause pain. So I'm like, I'm in the bathroom. I'm all by myself. I'm very squeamish. Like I can't deal with blood. I got to figure this out because I don't want anyone to help me because I'm scared that they're going to hurt me. And I just remember like Mm. pulling and doing like the milking of the drains and getting the blood to go through to to squeeze it out. And I was like, Laura, it doesn't hurt. Nothing hurts. It's all in your head again, right? Like you mentally think it's going to hurt. And you're like, okay, no, I can do this. Like actually, and then by like four weeks in, I'm like, I'm a pro. I got this. No problem. Yeah. But I think you're right. Like the, the mental side of, and the visual side and the physical side, I think hurts a lot metaphorically yeah. speaking, so. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: Um, and then the second part of the book too is the emotional side. Like, okay, so so you did it. Cancer's there, done, kind of ish.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now what's going on in your head? You know, it's, and that kind of transitions into, you know, I put down my feelings because I, I find, and again, I, a lot of the inspiration of this came from some of the questions women ask in these Facebook groups to other women. I'm like, some of it, should totally be directed to your doctor. Stop asking us this. You should only be asking your doctor this. Like nothing anyone tells you should be in your head. But the other part is, you know, like, uh just is this normal? Is this normal? Mm. This is this is something that keeps popping into my head. You know, I keep thinking about death. I keep thinking about this. And it's like, look, it doesn't matter what you're thinking, yes, it's normal.
0: Well Jessica, how can our listeners get a hold of you, find your book? Um, actually, we're linking to your book on our website, which is wonderful. Um, but how can our listeners like find you, get in touch, follow you on social media? What are some of uh,
1: your contacts? Yeah, absolutely. So um, easiest way is to go to warriorguidebook.com. Um, and then all of the handles are the same. They're all warrior guidebook. So on Instagram, at Warrior Guidebook, And on Facebook, facebook.com slash Guidebook. Um, and you just mentioned you're going to link to the book. If you buy through that link, we're making a donation back to uh org. Thank so, you. Yes, yeah, we're so excited about absolutely. that. Absolutely, it's it's a great um, it's a great way easy way to get the book. You'll get an autographed copy of the book, and then um, uh, and then yeah, we'll we'll donate back, which is you know just trying to help out. Yes, I appreciate your it your initiatives and and I think look the the book is the. I'm a little partial, but the book's pretty good. Yeah. Like nothing else. You'll get a laugh, but I think it's, it's great for warriors. It's great for survivors. Um, and it's really good for supporters as well because it gives insight into things you can't verbalize, uh, in the moment because it's just, it's very hard, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, and it's, it's uplifting. I mean, again, I'm here, I'm alive. I think I have a chapter called spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's fun. It's a quick read. I think a lot of people can read it in one or have read it in one sitting. Um, I've quite the gift for gab in case you didn't Mm -hmm. notice that in this, in this little chat, but, um, well, it reads quite conversational.
0: Like you're right. It's like a page turner. It's, it's funny. It's witty. It's realistic.
1: So, yeah, that's yeah. what I was going for. So I'm glad that came through. Oh, definitely. But yeah, that's, all, that's that's how you can get in touch with me. And I'm always happy to help out or answer questions if I'm online. By all means, whatever you guys want to do to get in touch, let's do it.
0: Jessica, oh my God, what a fun conversation that was. And everyone listening, I hope you really enjoyed today's Girl Talk. You can follow both of us on social media. I'll link again to everything in the show notes so we can continue the conversation on Facebook and Instagram and all those social fun platforms. So I wish everyone a beautiful and lovely week. And we will see you again for next week's episode on Breast Cancer Conversations. Thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our organization and upcoming events and ways to connect, you can find out more by visiting our website at survivingbreastcancer.org. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast is from personal experiences and it is not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always consult your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, feel free to contact me directly at laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. And of course, we have a couple social media handles you can follow us at as well. For example, survivingbreastcancer.org, all one word, as well as our podcast specifically, Breast Cancer Conversations. Until next time, keep on thriving.